Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The End Credits, the podcast where two brothers discuss their thoughts in a film of their choosing. I'm Dominic. I'm Jonathan. And today, we are talking about Christopher Nolan's epic science fiction film, Interstellar. Uh, right off the bat, it's, uh, obviously, I think obviously we're going to be taking a look at it kind of as if, um, it's kind of a successor or spiritual successor for 2001. So Mm -hmm. throughout this, uh, uh, I guess review, we're going to be, at least I am going to be looking at it, um, as if I watched 2001 Space Odyssey, because looking at it now, you can... There is like clear evidence that uh, Christopher Nolan took inspiration from it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, I guess as a as a a space epic, you know, um, I think it has some good qualities. Like overall, I think uh, it it has the strongest suit, especially like in the beginning, is uh, basically setting up uh, characters. And uh, bonds and just uh, like a straightforward mission. Right, yeah. And uh, I think that as overall like um, hook works well. But there are like, again, instances kind of in uh, in the same vein as Inception where it took liberties in other realms, which is in contrast with 2001 where, again, everything's very much... Uh, based in science and uh, like checks out, I guess. Right. I definitely agree. Um, And we'll definitely get more into that after we get some of the details for the film. Interstellar was directed by Christopher Nolan with a release date of October 26, 2014. At a runtime of two hours and 49 minutes in the genre as an epic science fiction. It stars Matthew McConaughey, Anne Hathaway, Jessica Chastain, and Bill Irwin. In Earth's future, a global crop blight and second dust bowl are slowly rendering the planet uninhabitable. Professor Brand, a brilliant NASA physicist, is working on plans to save mankind by transporting Earth's population to a new home via a wormhole. But first, Brand must send former NASA pilot Cooper and a team of researchers through the wormhole and across the galaxy to find out which of the three planets could be mankind's new home. It's certainly an interesting story. Um, it's it like takes place in a future Earth, and that's even like interesting too to just like understand. Okay, where are we now? What the setting is for the film? Yeah, um, I want to say it's like not too distant in the future, like maybe ten years, just because of uh, obviously like the cars and the look, and like and like schools and just I uh, guess um, clothing, fashion. Everything looks like okay. It could be you know today realistically, right? So it's not like too far in the future to be like some futuristic, you know, like a Blade Runner. Something like that. Right. It's, uh, imagine, yeah, 10 years from now, a new Dust Bowl came and Earth is basically... Being consumed by it. Yeah. So, like, at the beginning, we, again, we, we really, 
get a grasp on what the world of Interstellar is showing us with, again, like, especially when we go into Matthew McConaughey's character, Cooper, he has a relationship with his kids, especially Murph. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get to, to see how their bond uh, happens and basically what his stances are in this world. You know, he's a former pilot. He feels as if, uh, you know, he was born either too uh, early or too late, depending on how you view it. And he has like this uh, pioneer energy about him that uh, he's kind of like restless. He doesn't want to be this farmer that uh, I guess society, you know, when he goes to the school. It's like made him out to be, you know. Yeah, he wants to be more than that, larger than life. And basically, at the beginning, you know, we get this whole mission thing. Like, uh, uh, they eventually find some sort of uh, NASA hidden base. Right. And it leads them to possibly go to save humanity from a crumbling Earth. And that's, like, set very much in the beginning. That's just, like, an early on, okay, here's where this film's going to go. But again, I want I want to like strongly emphasize that throughout this beginning, uh, family bonds is what this time is used for. Like, right? It's basically again we're shown his relationship with Murph, especially because they have this uh, sim you know similarities. This is you know a father and a daughter, you know bonding or whatnot. And she's young at this point. She's so, ten. Yeah, ten. So she. Uh, she really looks up to him, and uh, basically the struggle here is like, should Cooper, uh, you know, save the world and possibly like not come back, or should he stay with his daughter and like you know see her grow up and whatnot? And that's a struggle, you know. You don't want to see, you know, your parents leave or whatnot, and th- there's a possibility, you know, you might not come back, and that's the like struggle for. You can really feel it uh, with the emotion, especially how, mm-hmm. you know, they act. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of Interstellar's, like, strong suits where you really do feel this this sense of bond. And it very much happens early on, and I will applaud Interstellar for that. Yeah, I certainly um, noticed that in the very beginning and in the opening sequences as well. It's... Definitely pulling at the emotional ties, especially with the family. And, um, yeah, like you said, it is a struggle because you don't want to see, you don't want to see like Cooper leave and like how you were mentioning that it's a, it's apparent. It's hard to, uh, I, I think it's a easy way, um, to possibly have like, uh, some kind of like ties to that. And, What's interesting about Interstellar is that with all the Nolan films we've been watching up to this point, this is the one that feels different than the rest in that it feels like, and um, maybe you agree with this and maybe you don't, I feel like this is the first film that it almost seems like um, we've been kind of moving away from the cl- the, the classic or the, the regular... Um, maybe like ideas that Nolan usually plays with, at least what it feels like in the beginning. And almost like the, um, in terms of the way the lines are written and delivered, it feels like 
we almost um it almost feels like it's too few lines for a Nolan film, if that makes any sense. Because I feel like the other ones are definitely driven in some kind of um, unique presentation of the story. And we have to do a lot of explaining in order to get to our like objective. And I feel like this one has such little dialogue. And yet, it's a lot, I think, for a modern film, which is strange. But... It's definitely more than 2001, A Space Odyssey. Um, I actually want to disagree in, in the sense of uh, about the, I guess I want to call the Christopher Nolan dialogue sequence on like explaining stuff. Uh, it's, it's just not presented yet. It's there still in Interstellar. And that's when we like, we eventually get into uh, describing the whole space mission. But like, again, early on with uh, just trying to connect with family that is, yeah, that I agree will escapes the, the Christopher Nolan, uh, I don't want to call it like bad explaining, but like if it, it feels, you can just tell that it's, it's like a script being, uh, you know, told out. Yeah. And I don't, I don't feel like we get there until we really, uh, basically get involved with NASA and like, you know, what we should do. I want to say that's, you know, once they get there. And describe that. That's where it really happens. Okay. Yeah, I could see what you're saying. I would argue, though, that um, I feel like even to that point, it's still, like, even dumbed down. Like, I feel like this is a drastic difference. And again, like I've mentioned before Batman Begins, maybe it's just due to the nature of a superhero film. But to me, I felt like Interstellar, like, even as we got to the NASA and we discovered all of that and then uh, so on and so forth. I felt like it was still like dumbed down. This like I'm like I'm saying I feel like this movie just feels different than the other ones. Feels different from Batman Begins, Memento and Inception, even Inception. Inception feels stronger and more grounded than Interstellar does in my opinion. Um just like in terms of like delivering the story. Like it kind of feels like 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 you said, it feels like it's a, a script, but it kind of feels like that at all times for me. For Interstellar? Yeah. Oh, okay. I want to... I felt uh, like we never got a... We never got a... I never felt a moment when it started feeling like, okay, I'm really like suspending my disbelief now. And now I'm kind of like, all right, I can fall into this. I want to agree with you in the sense of Again, the, the the space mission, everything with connecting with family, his his whole family ties, especially at the beginning. I think, I think that's the strong suit where you don't feel like it's a you know oh, okay. some script being written out, and mm-hmm. it actually feels like okay, there's there's substance there. Mm-hmm. While as when it comes to the whole space space mission, that's where it kind of goes okay, like. Again, it, it's tough because, you know, with 2001, I feel like as if it, it just did everything a little bit better in the sense of, like, uh, science fiction. If you're going to go, like, an epic realm, then maybe you can claim that uh, Interstellar has some, like, epic moments to, to follow up with. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I, I do agree with you that it does feel a little bit less grounded than, like, uh the other stuff however like it also feels uh just different production wise it looks as if you know they had better quality 
cameras and better quality, just more. I don't know about the budget, you know, to to compare the two, but it does feel just different in editing style and yeah, pacing, especially with like uh, early on. They do a whole lot of uh, widescreen to full screen changes. Yeah. Which, like, I kind of question from, like, an editing standpoint on, like, what it really does. Does it, like, you know, hone your senses to, like, a particular moment when you go into widescreen versus, like, the full screen? For me, it was a little, like, uh, jarring at some points. It's like, oh, whoa, you know, it's changed and, you know. Yeah, there it goes again. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I kind of question, like, how they really, like, narrowed down which pieces you know it's supposed to be wide to full because uh it was definitely if you noticed it uh it definitely was like out there you know you noticed it for the rest of the film yeah but if if you like maybe for a first time viewing you probably missed it because i don't actually remember it when i watched it the first time but definitely when we watched it this time for the podcast i was like oh whoa this is uh it's a little weird yeah, I was actually trying to figure out um, the significance behind the changes and was trying to like pinpoint like, okay, it maybe the widescreen is only, we're only changing the widescreen when it comes up during certain scenes. And I was starting to do that, but then after a while, it just kind of, I kind of just forgot about it and it became more of just like a jarring thing and I didn't think about, all right, what what are the ties here, if any? Yeah, I was... I thought it was a little strange that it was going back and forth between full and widescreen. I'm sure there's a reason. I'm sure there's an intention. Um, and it probably has something to do with like particular scenes being shot in the with widescreen and then the other ones in full um, or edited that way. And um, yeah, I definitely stuck out, stuck out like a sore thumb if you noticed it for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, so basically, like as we continue in this film, we start to see, you know, the mission and uh, what NASA's involvement and stuff with like uh, Michael's Kane's character, Professor Brand, and uh, again, here's like when it kind of gets like, okay, when we learn about NASA, just how their their viewpoints are, you know, oh, we're trying to escape the Earth to find uh, another planet because Earth is just failing, and. Uh, like, it's believable, you know, for our world because, like, you know, how we hear, like, climate change is, like, happening and, you know, the Earth is not going to be around forever. The right? Earth's dying, yeah. Uh, so, like, it's just an exaggerated form of, like, you know, years later happening. So, uh, I just, I don't think we got enough time with each individual character to, like, I guess, feel something yet for everybody. Especially, like, with uh, everybody goes on the mission, you know, like... Uh, Cooper, then Dr. Brand, uh, Professor Brand's daughter, uh, and then the other two uh, researchers, which, like, again, I watched this film, i like, I don't even remember their name, maybe, I think Doyle was one, the first one, that uh, we went to the uh, water planet. Yeah. And then uh, the other guys, like, uh, I guess that's the problem, because, like, sure, they went on the mission, and sure, we, we saw, like, what they could do, mm-hmm. but, like... Were they really essential, like, characters to be telling in the story? Like, I don't know. Uh, sure, you, you fell for something because it's another human being, you know, right. once we do, you know, escape into other places. But, like, uh, I don't know. It's it's not like, I guess it's not like 
again, it, we're, I'm comparing it to 2001, you know, when uh, uh, Frank and Dave, you know, when Frank, you know, gets it. Yeah. You know, you feel, I feel as if uh, you had some sort of connection. Uh, maybe it's just because it's two people only and uh, how. But uh, I guess they weren't on the same level. I don't want to, you know. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. It but, is funny because it's ironic, I think, even because it, it, it felt like Dave had less emotion than uh, what he should have should have at that moment, you know. Right. When Frank did get launched away from the ship and when, he went to, when Dave went to go save him, he seemed oddly calm. And, and I think we, as an audience member, seeing Frank just like drift off into space like that, we were a little bit more freaked out and we were like, what's going on here? And, um, uh, yeah, I, I feel like some of the, these characters, um, in interstellar, yes, we could feel it to a certain extent, but was it really worth having them there? Yes and no. And see, I, again, that's why I'm kind of like saying that I feel like, especially comparing it to, um, like even, even inception, I even felt a lot more stakes between all of those different characters who were involved with the Inception plan than I did with some of the characters in Interstellar. And I just feel like, I, I don't know if it's just like time, just Nolan's style changing over the course of time, which it happens. I just felt like, I don't know, I just felt like there was more, I just felt like I couldn't get with it. It's weird because I, I, I enjoyed Interstellar. Don't get me wrong. I, I just feel like, you know, like how you're mentioning with the characters and whatnot, I just felt like, okay, why are they even here? We lose them, and now we're down to, you know, Cooper and Dr. Brand. So at, at a certain point. Yeah, you kind of, there wasn't no, like, okay, I guess that, they, they, you know, you didn't really have, like, a reason, like, okay, what do they bring to the team? And that's, you know, like, again, that's it's, what I it's, should it's very, feel. It's very, it's very harsh to say, like, oh, it's another human being, you know, yeah. it's like, but like I don't know. Uh, but if we're I, treating them as like characters, I guess yeah. And I guess it's it's, it's just different from uh, just movies compared to like uh, real life. You know, mm-hmm. in that sense, you know, like in real life, obviously it's just another human being. You know, obviously they brought something. But for uh, in a movie, uh, you really have to like, you know, again up the ante, up the exaggerate a little bit more. And uh, again, these characters just didn't have it. I guess, quote unquote. And, um, I guess like that, it's kind of, it fell to the wayside in comparison to the family bonds that Interstellar does give a lot of time right. and does really well, you know, again with, uh, Cooper and, and Murph, they, their bond basically is the, the, the biggest character, uh, driven, uh, storyline that we see just throughout the whole film. And the other characters kind of felt to the wayside, you know, but a little bit distant. Yeah. Yeah. In, in comparison, it, it's also a fact that just, uh, interstellar has a different, it's it kind of, again, going back to 2001, has a, uh, a different, it, it's, it's film time is in real time. They do a lot of skips without you really noticing or knowing. And especially like when, you know, they go for the deep sleep from, earth to saturn you know that's a bunch of time right Mm -hmm. but uh we don't really see that time that happens you know it's just okay we're here to the next place and let's go we're here to the next place and let's go and in contrast with 2001 a lot of scenes were really just 
there, you know, and you had time to take in every little bit and kind of form your own thoughts and viewpoints to it. While Interstellar is like, bam, next destination, bam, next destination, bam. And uh, you kind of could, you feel as if you couldn't, you know, again, take in everything. And I want to say applaud to 2001 where I just enjoy that style a little bit more. I completely agree. I felt like things in 2001 were a lot more drawn out. And I love how you said that it it gave us enough time to form our own opinions and ideas and whatever like thoughts came to our mind for said place in 2001. And I just think that Interstellar, it goes at a quick pace and like we're here at one minute and we're here the next. And um, not to say that there isn't anything in uh, ambiguous and in interstellar because I think there is, but I think 2001 just does it in a different way. And pro- well, obviously I think it takes more time, but it, um, an, another interesting thing though, as well as um, with 2001, I like how it's almost kind of like a shift from 2001 and interstellar. We begin with kind of like the, the bad, um, like how we see, how like the state of the the earth and you know is deteriorating and whatnot, and in two thousand one, um, well if we skip ahead from the dawn of man, everything's pretty like it's beautiful. We see the beauty of space, and I like how we have a difference with Interstellar that it's not necessarily that same kind of beauty, you know. It, right. it plays with that uh, understanding of like beauty and the unknown. Um, and we slowly drift into madness. Whereas in Interstellar, it wasn't, I don't think it necessarily was like going through that kind of, it wasn't set for that kind of goal, you know? Right. Like you said, it was it was driven in the emotional ties of the family between Cooper and Murph. Right. It was about saving uh, the world or, uh, you know, the lives on Earth. While in uh, 2001, it's very much... It's just an exploration, and then again, right. like you said, just uh, develops into chaos. And uh, yeah, they just had different uh, story uh, ways. Um, I do want to talk about you know when Interstellar tries to, you know, you know we're in space now, and it tries to tell us certain science stuff. You know, like with uh, wormholes, black holes, and just how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, again, here's another point where it's, like, not Interstellar's strong suit. And, again, it goes to, like, I just noticed been noticing it through uh, Christopher Nolan's films where here's where it feels really scripted. It just feels out of place. Like, okay. We better uh, explain this to the audience. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like, whoa, this is, like, not the – it just didn't, you know, flow well. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, I'm learning now and – I don't know. It, it just uh, it stuck out to me. I definitely noticed those parts too, especially like when we're talk bringing up like the idea of when they finally come to the uh, the wormhole, and um, and we get that little bit of like how a wormhole works, and it just fell out of place. Yeah, I totally agree. It just fell out of place, and uh, like another thing too, I guess with Cooper's character. It just felt like he had an answer to everything. And it just kind of felt like, oh, what a coincidence that he has this knowledge, which it's kind of understandable because he was a pilot at one point. 
And he did that for, well, we don't really know how long, but it's clear that he's experienced. Um, and he flew for NASA before. So it's it kind of makes sense. But, I mean, we don't really know how long it's been since he's done any of that stuff. Right. And it just felt like he had an answer to everything. And it just kind of felt like, really? Can you explain when? Yeah, particularly when they were talking about Gargantua and when they needed to go and research the different planets that uh, the previous um, the previous team had went to go like discover for like a habitable planet, and uh, he talks about how we can utilize the gravitational pull of Gargantua in order to like or uh, like reduce fuel, like yeah save fuel or no no, no uh, save time but lose a little bit more fuel yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. something along those lines. And it, I don't know. It just felt like it was just like, oh man, okay. He like he's just got these ideas. Yeah, it's like the other the other characters are scientists, and you know they should know a little bit more about right. him. And he's just the pilot, quote unquote. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess I could. Not I to, see that. Not to discredit like Cooper and like I, I, I mean, who doesn't love Matthew McConaughey? Right. Like I want to see him shine. Don't get right. me wrong, but it just kind of felt like it felt like a movie in, in, in that point. Um, not that that's, I don't know. It was just something that I picked up on and it just kind of took me out of the moment. Yeah. I, that's totally understandable. Yeah. I totally get that now. Um, also like when we just talked about, you know, Matthew McConaughey, I do want to give him a lot of props in this, uh, film just because he really is like the best part of this film is like an, the actor and, uh, just plain different. I guess emotions at different times, like his believability factor is through the roof. I yeah, think. I know. Like in every moment, I was like, okay, I believe him. Or all <laughs> every moment, it's like, okay, he totally feels this. You know, like I want to give him ma- uh, massive props to his his uh, his acting skills and uh, yeah, the I don't performance. Know. Yeah, his performance was great. Yeah, I know. Like, um. I, I feel like over the course of time, some of the scenes in Interstellar have become like a like a joke in some ways. Like I remember the that moment when he, you know, they just came back from uh, that first planet and they lost like twenty three years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's like watching all the videos the, of the messages that he's missed over that course uh, of time. Yeah, and like he just like starts like crying uncontrollably. And which I understand, and it was it was a good moment, and especially for like the first time viewing. But like I don't know, watching it again, it just kind of feels a little bit like a little over the top, um, and a little bit silly. But I, I I still felt it in that moment. But um, it just kind of like it just you know it still attributes to like uh his his kind of performance and everything and his believability, and uh, even if it has become a little bit you know over the top, I still believe yeah. the guy. Yeah, I I totally understand what you're saying. So, I do think we should uh, talk about um, just when they go into like their different planets and just how um, it basically, I guess I want to say visually looked nice and uh, interesting concepts, especially you know again when they go through the galaxy and just with the first planet with it all being water. And like the mountains, quote unquote, of waves. Oh yeah. Um, like uh, even though there was like you know nothing there when they went there, mm-hmm. um, 
I think that's a cool concept right there. Just, uh, you know, different planets just having, you know, a variety of different. It's just not what you see on Earth. And obviously, you know, our real planets are like that, right? They're not at the state of how Earth is. But right. just with this mountain of water coming at you, like, can waves really do that? And how scary that would be if you saw a wave, you know, literally reach the clouds that'd be terrifying yeah i was like that's a you know terrifying uh thing to even see um also with like uh the frozen planet that they see at uh man's uh uh area you know that whole bro like what you see in the cover right it's, yeah. it's all frozen and everything like that like uh sure you know again people have went to you know the Antarctica's and you know seeing how it is, but uh, to the st- state where like everywhere it's this frozen you know thing that you know could perhaps be something that you know could sustain life. Yeah, maybe. And you know, I was like, oh man, that's such a such a weird concept too, or such a crazy thing. You know, so you know we have grass in our earth, you know, deserts, you know, snow, even you know ice places, but like. You know, just a planet in ice. You know, again, both these worlds that we do discover, even in outer space, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, visually appealing, you know? Again, right. going back yeah. to, like, this budget area, it's like, oh, man, uh, everything looks, you know, and seems in this epic uh, scenario. It just works to the point where it's like, oh, man, I'm really... I'm really somewhere else. Right. And I'm really in space and I'm really on this uh, journey with the characters. Um, yeah. And I, I will agree. It's really interesting when we get a chance to go and look at the different uh, planets. And it's really sad because when we're going through and we're looking at all of them or the two that we go to and see, mm-hmm. it's really sad that they didn't have um, like that. uh it wasn't going to be like the second planet that they were hoping for, you know, right. uh, like the, uh, uh, any kind of like life that can be sustainable, that they can actually have a habitat here. And it was just really sad that neither of them came through. It's such a weird thing, you know, like in, in our reality, right. We hear about like, uh, Oh man, you know, they found water at so-and-so maybe, you know, right. It's just like, you know, again, what are the chances that earth is like the perfect conditions that humans could live and that there's nothing out there, you know? Yeah. We, we, we hope that there is. And, um, it's certainly like in this, in this story, they really need that other planet because earth is like, just, uh, what do they say that like, it was going to be done within like, like the next generation of yeah. kids were, were going to be the last to survive. So like the stakes are high for them in order to find a different or another earth. And I think even uh Cooper's character, um, like quoted and mentioned saying like, you know, we're not going to find another one like earth, um, uh, that we're not going to find anything like this good, you know, right. but like we were going to have to try to find like something, um, yeah, again, it is really sad that neither of these planets came through, and I was really sad about that. All right. Um, you know, obviously, the like, the next arc of, like, uh, our characters when they go on this mission is when they, they end up on this ice planet and discover, uh, 
uh, man's uh, hole because you know he he basically uh, sends a signal out so oh you know this place is a, a good area and uh, this character is played by Matt Damon and uh, I don't know if this movie came out before The Martian but I always in the back of my mind are like making comparisons so like oh I have never seen that movie maybe we'll see for this podcast but oh, like, yeah. the fact that you know it looks similar. I don't know. You know, obviously, I know nothing about that. But either way, when we get into this, uh, you know, it's, everything's looking good. It's like, oh, man, it's a perfect planet. You know, uh, eventually, you know, years after it's colonized, you know, we can uh, sustain life. And, uh, you know, it, he makes Matt Damon or... Uh, yeah dr bam yeah he he does the the whole here's the how scenario for interstellar you know he turns evil and uh almost kills cooper you know when driving him down this whole scenario and uh here's like uh oh man like another like uh, nail biting scenario where like again going back to like the whole his relationship with uh murph and like the family bonds it really Again, this Interstellar does well, this uh, relationship, and also to the extent of uh, this risk of death scenario where you're always on edge for when they go to discover stuff, especially with Cooper's characters, because you know, you know the weight of the other characters and just how everything means to them. You're always on edge and like, oh, what could happen? And, uh, you know, here he has a scenario where, you know, he could possibly lose air and just uh, suffocate. Right. And it's like, oh, it's like uh, they go into this whole conversation like, oh, what are you going to see before, you know, you die? I was like, oh, man, you know, this this is uh, it's just, just a sad and like, uh, again, nail biting moment that you're like, oh, please, you know, something, you know. Yeah. Why would you do this? You know, we're out here all alone and uh, there's nobody else. And uh, again, you're just... Uh, I can't feel the, you know, like, going, ah, you know, like this. And Well, Dr. Mann actually does mention that, uh, like, the last thing you, like, that's, um, uh, that you're going to see before you die is, like, your children's faces or something. And then it kind of makes, like, the whole situation, like, a little, like, raises stakes a little bit more, I suppose, because you would think that maybe, um, maybe Cooper's thinking of Murph and uh, Tom, I think is his uh, boy's name. And like just thinking about them and whatnot, so it kind of like puts you again. Uh, it we return to those like family ties and the connections and the stakes of what it means for uh, uh, Cooper's case. And um, man, you just really hate man for this, you know. You really hate Doctor Man for like doing this, right. but in a way, you almost like a little bit. You almost kind of sympathize with him because you understand what his position is in all of this. That he was, you know, he, he he was scared and he didn't really have hope that there was going to be another planet out there that could sustain life like how Earth can. And, you know, I could kind of see where he's coming from that he just wanted to be saved. He knew it was going to be possible. He just wanted to be, he wanted to see another human again. Like, uh, but, but I mean, like. If you're in that position, you got to understand, you know, what the consequences are, you know, you know what I mean? So it, it just like made it all the more worse because he's supposed to be this explorer. He's supposed to do it, you know, uh, for NASA. But 
I think the natural survival instincts that he even mentions that, you know, we just want to survive and we want to, we want to always like be there. And, um, it just sucks that like, he's got to be that person to like hijack everything and just lie to them through his teeth. And, oh man, I don't know. It's that moment where you're just like, um, I understand, but like, oh man, you know. Yeah, like, exactly. It's on. like, really, do you have to do this? Do you really have to do this? And uh, apparently, he has to. But yeah, uh, we see how that turns out for Doctor Man yeah. when he tries hijacking their uh, their ship. Yeah, here's like another big scenario where you know he tries to uh, lock on to their uh, to the endurance. Yeah, and it causes like a whole array of problems because. Uh, you know, basically, if he does take a hold of it, he can just uh, leave them stranded out there in this unknown planet, you know, and he can just, uh, I guess, walk away free. And uh, that does not go well. Here's another like piece where, uh, when he does fail, the audio for this is really, uh, I want to say well done. And in the fact that, you know, when we were just watching, you know, on the on our uh, television and you know everything is just all you hear you know music and you you feel all this weights or whatnot what could happen because you know they're warning him about it and when it does happen you know this sudden burst like everything just goes out and you just hear the you know almost as if you know again you're you're in his position man's position and it just you know you just hear this loud boom and it's like I don't know. You you felt that, and uh, I kind of wish I saw it in theaters just to see you know what this felt like at this moment. Because here's like again another uh, thing to like uh, 2001. You know, just a screeching halt of a sound. You know, this obviously wasn't like the monolith moment. No, right. but uh, you know, you felt this impact immediately with the audio, and uh, it just added like this. Uh, Oh no, you know. It's like an effect. Yeah, emotion to it. Right, it's such a jarring moment because we have that loud, you know, that loud explosion and all of a sudden we cut back into Matthew McConaughey's or Cooper's and uh, Dr. Brand's perspective and it's just like silent because they see the wreckage Mm -hmm. because Dr. Man was trying to uh, dock the endurance. And yeah, that like... That jarring, like, difference between the the explosion and all of a sudden nothing, it just, like, really puts you back in that moment of, yeah, we're in space right now, and uh, uh, it's just so desolate. It, it, like, brings, like, the heaviness and the weight to, like, space and where they're at, especially their position. And then it leads up to a really great uh, docking scene with Cooper. And, again, this is, like, another, like, shining moment with uh, Cooper. And I always love this scene. I always love the docking sequence when... Uh, you know, he clearly sees that the endurance has uh, um, gone through an explosion and he has the audacity to go and dock on the endurance. And it's such like an epic moment. And again, like how we mentioned with, uh, if we have any difference between 2001, Space Odyssey and, Inter- and Interstellar is the fact that like Interstellar falls more into this like epic uh, genre. And... um. Like, definitely, like, an epic moment when he goes to dock the Endurance, especially, yeah. like, with the music and, like, oh, oh, this is the best part because we can actually include, like, quotable lines, like how I mentioned before, and uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey definitely has a great line here um, when he needs to dock the 
when well basically when Tars, I believe, is like telling him like, you know, we can't do it and it's not possible and uh you know, he just remarks back that no, it's necessary and it, it just like really brings in like, oh my god, what are we gonna see here? Yeah, with the combination of the, just the music and the the spinning, you know, and just uh you know the the fact that again it it's very impossible, unrealistic to do and you know, you're stranded out here. It's, you're not this is the only way, you know? Yeah. And uh, you have to, you know, do this or, you know, you're basically not going anywhere, you know? You have nothing to lose here. Right. And the fact that, you know, it just makes it all more enjoyable, you know, when it actually does happen. And it's like, you know, again, with this, this music just pushing you there, it's like, we have to or we can't, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's very, like, alleviating when, you know, eventually it does happen. And, uh, yeah, again... This is where it's like probably the most uh, epic scene in the entire film. Probably, I would agree. Yeah, that like had the most like uh, I guess movie blockbuster feel to it, and uh, obviously it's probably the most known scene in, out of this movie. Yeah, um, like it, on the flip side though, I, again, I just I, how I mentioned before with like um, Cooper having all the answers to everything. This, again, kind of felt like a scene, although it was epic and it was awesome, it also felt like this kind of scene where it's like, um, so he can he can do this too? Like, it felt like a coincidence. Like, he's going to be able to, like, dock on the Endurance, like, and it's an, almost an impossible docking, uh, like, sequence yeah. that he has to go through right now, especially with the, the, the Endurance, like, going, I think they said, like, 86 RPM, yeah. and it's like... Uh, like it just kind of felt like is there is there nothing that Matthew McConaughey can't do? <laughs> I, I think with the fact that uh, he kind of went with, through this low with almost dying, it felt good to see that okay, he can oh. actually do something. So it kind of like when I was seeing it, you know, I, it didn't really bother me at all. Oh, okay. It's like okay, this guy almost died. At least give him a win here or something. Oh, okay, you know? yeah. It's like come on, uh, let's be generous here, but. Um, yeah, uh, here's like another scenario where I feel like we didn't uh, even uh, touch on the comparison with 2001 where, because obviously you can see it in this docking sequence, just the, the outer space uh, shots, camera shots of all the, uh, you know, spaceships, you know, out on the outside, you know. Again, easy comparison to 2001 Space Odyssey. It... uh you know, you just see everything from the outside and almost just if they probably use models in here too, right? For the whole uh, sequence. So, uh, again, clear as day, giving homage to 2001. Yeah. And, uh, again, it looked visually nice. Definitely like, uh, I guess a quote unquote upgrade to the technology we have, or, you know, we had in 2014 and, um, you know, just got to give that recognition there. Right. Yeah, it was neat to see, like, the we can make those comparisons and see the similarities between the two films. And uh, um, it's always, like, neat to, like, look back and see where we were and where we come from um, or, or where we're at now. And um, I have to admit, though, I almost felt like in that uh, docking sequence when Man was trying to dock the, uh, um, that, like, the Ranger onto back onto the Endurance, um, it almost felt like we had... It probably was a model, but it almost felt like a little bit of CGI 
And I felt like it didn't look as great as something that I would have seen in 2001, A Space Odyssey. So it was a little bit uh, disappointing to see that I could tell that it was fake. And in 2001, it's pretty tough to like look at something in that film and say that, yeah, that's, that's a model. Because it looks really impressive. And in, in the, yeah, don't get me wrong, in Interstellar, it, the models also did look impressive as well. But that moment when man was getting dock on the endurance, it looked a little, little off, but um, nonetheless, still impressive. Um, yeah, and then basically from here we move on to like the whole, uh, the whole uh, black hole scenario where you know, here's like an again we go go back to like these. Uh, how was like come on, it's not realistic scenarios. Where, like, you know, they come up with a plan to, like, okay, we can use this black hole to get, basically give us enough time to do this and do that. It's like, how convenient for one right. to come on, uh, you know, light can't escape this. You're going to, you know, there's no way you're getting out of there, you know, uh, through this whole scenario. And uh, I don't know. And in, in, in this moment, it kind of like falls apart with, like, again, going to, like, this realism science fiction is just not there anymore. Yeah, I, I will agree on that because I almost felt like at this point in the film, it almost felt like we were just kind of throwing things away. Like we were just kind of like, just, okay, let's do this and let's do that and let's just kind of forget about the logic or the stakes of the film. Yeah, Like I felt like it was doing pretty well in that regard and then it just kind of started like, we just got to start taking these risks now and we were like, you know, forget about the plan. And it was like, well, there was still like a plan in place, but it just kind of felt like it was rushed. And again, it's like, oh, we have another answer, you know? Yeah. It's it's like uh, we took the time to like think out some, you know, processes and like, okay, we got to conserve this and okay, we can risk this. But at this point it's like, you know, screw it. Let's just go for it. And it's kind of like, wait, what? You know, what? It felt weird. It felt strange. Uh, I'll definitely agree. And it's weird because even in 2001, by the time we get to like that third act, I guess at this point we're like on the verge of hitting that third act in Interstellar. And like it's, it's it just seems to like like fall apart a little bit. And it's weird that how both films kind of did that same thing. I want to say it's a little bit different though because uh, in the way in 2001 – it's not like Dave really had a choice, you know. He he. Oh right. He got rid of, or he got rid of Hal, and then he just had to continue. It's not like he was going back, right? Right. And you know, he uh, once he does, he you know he enters this thing that just took him, right? Yeah. And this uh, in this film, you know, sure we, they they said they didn't have enough fuel to like get to the other place, but I felt as if, uh, and they also didn't have enough fuel fuel to return to Earth. They said that too, as well. Oh, okay. So I don't know. It just felt like I don't know. Could we have written it some other way? Yeah, Cause, possibly. Because like again, it just it just doesn't make sense anymore. Because yeah, uh, I guess just where do you go? You know, I I understand. Like okay, so yeah, they have nothing. So let's just risk everything now. You know, through this uh, black hole. But like. Uh, I don't know. It just, it, it doesn't feel 
it doesn't feel like it's logically right that okay uh let's risk death to again no it, it makes sense because you know like obviously you got nothing to lose it's but like, yeah, right. it just doesn't feel as well because uh, you know that like as an audience you're like okay obviously because we don't we're not in their position yeah so I mean, obviously this is just a wrong move we're not gonna there's nothing to be done there right and I, I don't know again it puts your audience in a difficult position I'm like okay I understand my characters and where they're, what they're doing but like I am not at that position in, in this moment in time so I feel this sort of disconnect happening here and I don't feel as if you want that when you're writing a film or any sort of, you know, piece of media, you know, you right. never want this disconnect or else it kind of, you, you, you lose your audience. Yeah. It falls apart and you lose the interest and you lose like, yeah, you lose that interest from the audience. Yeah. And to be able to like suspend their disbelief and be like, all right, where are we going now? Cause you want to be able to follow it. I do want to bring up um, like kind of the position that the characters are in at this moment. And we kind of like, brushed over and I do want to return to it just real fast. Um, I do want to ask you like how you felt about the fact that uh, basically their their meaning to the whole like uh, mission was all a lie. And the fact that they had no way of returning and um, basically professor brand lied to them about, you know, we're going to be able to save the people with as long as they solve the equation of gravity. And unfortunately, our characters didn't know the stakes. How did you feel about the fact that it was all just a big lie? Uh, obviously, like, you you felt down just for the characters. Right. But, like, in, in a realistic realm, it really makes sense, unfortunately, as it sounds. Yeah. It really makes sense. Like, how are you going to build a spaceship? A, a spaceship? that can travel to some other realm, you know. And, some other galaxy, right? Yeah, and get everybody on board with the idea. Hmm. Like, obviously, it's just, it. it's not going to be smooth, you know? No. Uh, so uh, as unfortunate as it sounds, just with, like, just the technology that I guess we have, it just, it seemed, it's... It, like the only way? Yeah, it seemed like the only way, unfortunately, as it sounds. Like, uh, in this film, you know, Cause you know how we hear about like Mars expeditions and like even like Blade Runner, you know, people left to the other planets. Right. And this film, we don't have that like luxury. It's like, okay, we can go to this other close by or it's acceptable to travel, you know, in like that realm. But in, in Interstellar, you're very much, uh, they even, you know, disagree that they even went to the moon. So, you know, yeah. just looking at it that way, it's like there would have been so much issues, you know. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It was just like one of those things where it's like, uh, again, maybe it was like, the, the, could there could there have been another way? And but I, I'm glad that it did. Like it makes sense, especially with the the fact that uh, Professor Brand was he, like he already had the solution, but he already knew the answer, and that like you said, it would have just been extremely difficult to get everyone on board with that, and to even like. Well, he either way, he didn't even he knew the answer and he knew it wasn't going to work, right? Because he because he needed the the black hole and what was after that because that was the only way to solve the equation in its uh, entirety. 
And, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just like one of those things like, oh man, it's all a big lie. And I do feel unfortunate for the characters because, um, they didn't know. And they're out here risking their lives for what they hope is to save all the people down there. Yeah. And the fact that like that possibility being basically crushed, uh, you definitely feel that with the characters too. Um, but again, it does still feel strange that it feels like at this point, because they feel like they have nothing to lose, they just start not necessarily being reckless because they do have a plan at this point, sort of, to use the uh, the gravitational pull of the black hole to manually send them to the next planet, Edmund's planet. And yeah. It, but it just kind of feels a little too coincidental, like, oh, yeah. we can use this now, and we're going to be fine, yeah. or, you know, fine. And uh, I guess this is probably, like, that one of the most interesting parts of Interstellar that we come up to is, uh, um, you know, we do end up, like, using the last of the uh, the fuel that we've got for on the Endurance and on these Rangers. And uh, an emotional scene right here, in my opinion— when Cooper does, uh, both Cooper and Tars risk their lives to go through the black hole, and um, instead of going with uh, Doctor Brand, they uh, risk their lives to go and uh, through the black hole. And it was an emotional scene, I thought, because uh, you know I obviously didn't want to just let Cooper go like that, and neither did Brand. Um, uh, and I kind of like that quote when they said that, like you know, we have to leave something behind in order to go forward and it's a true statement but it might have been a little cheesy for the moment but it still worked yeah i agree that it was like an emotional uh piece right there you know just the whole sacrifice moment yeah however like uh, i guess just because it was uh again going back to this pacing of uh interstellar uh it was just too close to the uh docking sequence that was like I didn't get enough time to like really uh, take it all in, so I kind of felt like rushed in some ways. But I I think I I still felt something, but like probably if there was enough time to like really develop, you know, what we're doing, uh, maybe you could have had like a stronger effect. Uh, just for personally for me, yeah. But uh, yeah, again another moment uh, just to see him, you know both him and Tars go into the black hole, which uh, I never knew was actually like a somewhat nod to 2001. Again, uh, when he's basically uh, in this blackness getting quote-unquote ripped apart that we see. Yeah. Uh, clear nods of him just, you know, fighting the the whole... He wasn't getting caught by aliens, I guess. Or, or I guess they kind of were because, you know, they always bring up... It's they. Yeah, know. it's like them. Who's them? Yeah, who's, who's they? Them and- uh, yeah, this is this is a really interesting part though because um, you know like we get to go through this the, the the black hole and like what the theoretical like becomes and it's scary too. Mm-hmm. It's certainly scary because like he's trying to report to Doctor Brandon like what he's seeing here and obviously like it cuts out as it probably would and uh, or his uh, you know his um, uh, his uh, communication system. And I don't know, it's just like, this is where the the, the film kind of like we go from, if we want to call it like the scientific 
areas of the film that were like probably based in science and reality and um now we're kind of going to the theoretical and it's it's fun to go through this part and i think it was also fun in 2001 a space odyssey where we get to see like different planets and like the different dimension you know and um uh uh cooper gets to experience that as well and this like fifth dimension if we want to call it that and uh him being able to experience that like the fifth dimension is time in a three-dimensional space that was created for him by the them, beings they, them, yeah. they um i do want to yeah it's like uh i always think about this you know before we enter the the whole uh bookshelf scenario that like uh you know, his whole spaceship is getting, like, ripped apart, you know, going, you know, just tearing into shreds. And then, you know, he ejects. And, like, he's just floating out there. I'm like, you know, going, I guess he's the, you know, we're in the theory, theoretical now, right? It's like, this whole spaceship ripped into shreds. Why aren't you <laughs> ripping into shreds? <laughs> right. I was like, this spaceship could take a whole lot more beating than you can as a human being. But... Again, oh well, whatever. Let's just uh, continue on with it. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, a cool visual sight to see the the whole. Uh, again, I'm going to call it the the bookshelf moment where you know he's just you know uh, a human being in this weird 3D realm. You know, I have to mention that with this uh, this viewing for the podcast. Um, I couldn't help but like in the very beginning moments of the movie, like look at the bookshelf and like when he was, they were talking through the anomaly and then the books falling, I just couldn't help but like put my mind like all the way to the end of the film and already understand that it's, uh, it's Cooper just doing it all. Yeah. Me too. After you seen it and yeah. know where it's supposed to lead, it's hard to get your mind out of uh, what its uh, significance is. Yeah, and I was just like, man, that really sucks because it's really special that first time, like that first viewing, and then after you do, like, you know, obviously the second one, it just kind of like... It's not the same. It's not the same anymore. It it, it can only feel kind of that same way unless if you're watching it with someone who's never seen it before. Um, but, like, yeah, it doesn't quite feel the same when you already know the what the outcome is. But it's still a... Um, it's still a really like neat thing that like he was able like he's in here now and he's able like to figure out a way to communicate through Morse code and with his uh with his daughter Murph um in like different states and like different periods of like time and like and, and it's 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 just cool and neat in that way because when you even get in here you don't even understand where you are until you realize you're in the bookshelf until he realizes it and it's a really neat concept that like we kind of like keep all of this represented via the bookshelf yeah uh yeah with with this whole bookshelf scenario it's it's awesome just to see you know how you know he's able to communicate uh, throughout time uh, with basically saying these moments and oh it was it was him this whole entire time but uh watching this and getting the like uh the cuts back to the adult uh murph oh 
oh man, it's just, it's still in my mind. I want to make another argument a little bit later, but it's still in this, in my mind, it's like, how does this even make sense? How did she figure it out? You know, I was like, obviously we as viewers are watching it unfold before us. So obviously we know all the information and how everything's occurring, but there is no way, you know, that she would figure out that, oh, it was him this whole time, you know, and get her uh, all her books out and, you know, eventually figure out the watch and whatnot. It's like, come on. (laughs) It was, I'll agree, it was like a little coincidental and it felt that way. I was probably more annoyed that we had to make those like cut like those cuts or those flashbacks to when she was younger and everything. I was just kind of annoyed that like we were going back and forth like that. Oh yeah. It was I think in the first time it, it feels fine, but I think when you watch it again, you're just kind of like um I don't know, it's because you understand it now, so just kind of like, okay, we get it, like, it was just him. Yeah. But in another way, if I want to just keep it, like, if I'm pretending like it's a first-time viewing, it's it's uh, it's sweet as well, you know? Like, it just kind of, like, um, with all the things that had happened in the film and uh, all the chaos and, like, the sadness or whatever and the loss, um, it felt sweet knowing that it was him all along and he was kind of, like, always there and... Um, again, kind of like going back to the, the relationship between Murph and Cooper, uh, between the daughter and the father, you couldn't help but like, like enjoy that it was, it was him, you know, and that it was him being able to communicate. And, uh, as he even puts it, that he was her ghost that entire time. And, um, it, like, it could be like an emotional, like moment an emotional scene because, like they were like it, he was like always there and he you know mentions and explains that it wasn't like these other beings that sent him here or it was him and it was them all along that you know basically did it all and uh um it was kind of like this mind-blowing thing and even we discovered like Tars is there and that was cool too the fact that Tars survived uh and um yeah I don't know there was something really neat about the whole uh, bookshelf and the whole like the other dimension and that we could go throughout time and we could see it and it was all like connected and he could communicate with it and it was like a kind of like a mind-blowing thing and it was really neat to see that uh you know here here we are and this is what is could be past the uh the singularity the horizon of a black hole yeah, um, just going back to uh, just their connection and uh, how she figured it out and everything. Um, I want to, like, I guess, I want to say that uh, this is what the film was trying to say because I'm, I'm basically going to just start defending on, like, technically it makes sense that she figured it out. And why is because the film tries to push this scenario that uh, there's this other dimension, like of the love dimension that oh, basically right. we don't understand, but it was, te- it could or technically is the, the right choice or whatnot, because, you know, Dr. Brand has this, like uh, she likes this guy named, was it Edmund? Yeah. yeah. Like another uh, uh, explorer. Ad- explorer that went uh, 
on this Lazarus mission. Yeah. And um, obviously we had this whole other uh, scenario where uh, Cooper chose that, oh, it's you shouldn't be biased through love or whatnot because that's technically not the right choice. But we end up, he ends up like, you know, uh, taking that whole back because, you know, he's, he chose wrong with man and everything. Yeah. So here's like this scenario where, oh, it's because of that, like love, you know, that bonding, the family bonds. That's what uh, told us this whole scenario. So in that realm, if we're going to add this other, you know, dimension, quote unquote. Right. Then it makes sense. Right. But if, if you know, uh, you want to call that BS, then, <laughs> you know, you could say, that, oh, nah, you know. That love could supposedly, like, yeah. speak through different dimensions and times and. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, if you're going to look at it, you know, either way, uh, you know, w- with the love dimension, I think it works. If you know you want, we want to believe in that. But without the love dimension, I think some people are going to be like, "Nah, forget it." You know, right? Yeah, it's too far fetched. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I think when it comes to like, um, um, I, it depends like how people are looking at it in terms of the film because probably for a first time viewer, they're probably suspending their disbelief and they're probably okay with it all. But I think when you go through it again and again, you're it's going to just kind of start diminishing, and you're probably going to think a little bit more logically. And, um, I, I don't know, maybe don't count on love to save you if you're going to, uh, go through a black hole or the singularity. Uh, I don't know if love is going to be that answer, but in this I case, it could be, it's a powerful force according to interstellar, according to interstellar. But, uh, I, I, I gotta even mention like when the whole like love ideas kind of like acting as something that we don't quite understand and it can yeah. go between like when, when Dr. Brand brought it up, right. I can't help but like, that was probably the hardest like moment for me to watch. Like I felt like it was pure script writing, you know? And it was so difficult for me to like watch that scene happen. And I was like, do, do uh, Cooper and the other guy really expect that? Like expect uh, like the whole like decision-making process of them choosing either Edmund's planet or man's planet out of the basis of love, like you could just see it in their faces, and it was like, does she really think she's going to convince these two? Again, I I think this is what uh, the film tries to to push because uh, again, you know, it's hard to buy in at first, but you know, again, if uh, if you look at it another way, or maybe you know, you 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 see it differently, then possibly you know what else you got to fall back on. And, uh, again, that, that's what it's, it's trying to, uh, to get at, I think. Right. And, uh, they use that again, you know, with, uh, Murph and Cooper to basically get them out of this whole scenario to, uh, basically, uh, like a happy ending in some ways. Yeah, sure. And how did you feel like when the whole, like that fifth dimension slash Tesseract, like started, you know, uh, deteriorating it was like falling apart and uh you know i guess like the the world was saved at this point uh cooper was able to translate like the the uh, coordinates or the uh the code for the data that they needed the quantum data mm. to murph and everything um and now like we've kind of we finally like returned 
it's cool visual aspect because you can see it like in your peripheral vision like it coming ever closer you know it's kind of like oh he's not acknowledging it yet but i see it's coming and then eventually when it does just bright white it's like yeah he even says something i don't remember i'm like oh man i kind of wish i remember what he said immediately because he says something like oh what's next or something like that there's something to that effect Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like oh yeah that's a cool uh visual aspects just because you know you don't know if he's you know oh is this heaven yeah it's like he's easy dying or (laughs) something like is he actually dying now like uh i don't know it was a cool uh very uh cool uh intense motion uh motion to like watch it come near you and uh just wanting you're curious and like oh what's next or you know where we going yeah it, it was really neat and it was really uh um, I was just like excited to see like, you know, where else are we going to go from here and like, well, what happens now? And, uh, you know, he's drifting out into space and, uh, he is, uh, rediscovered. Um, man, I- I'm just glad that like at this point he's, uh, he's rescued and he's, uh, he's like on a. Because they're not on Earth, correct? They're like no, on they're, some they're on satellite some, or something. Yeah, some other uh, spaceship, you know, in space. Man-made satellite yeah, or something some, Something like that near Saturn. And uh, basically they create like a new world here. He, you know, he sees, he gets up, sees the window. And it's kind of like, uh, reminds me of um, Inception. <laughs> because you know how, uh, you know, when they're in that dream world, you know, they basically flip the the uh the street level above oh, right. the uh the buildings or whatnot and in this case you know it's just a baseball field with some other you know the rest of the town above it and it's kind of like this weird yeah it's gravity thing happening right and uh I yeah got, it's an interesting sight to see i gotta ask though what hospital has a baseball field in like their their backyard <laughs> yeah like their yeah. back lot i'm like wait a minute what's happening i, I was confused about that I, I never noticed that the first time around and i'm like he's in some hospital and there's some baseball game going on in the back lot like what i, I don't know I, I mean i guarantee you somewhere in the world there's a baseball field next to a hospital so I, I right i mean i think it's not too far-fetched yeah but. Man, how cool was it though? Like when when uh, Cooper is finally back and like he's like 124, you know, but he still looks 33 or whatever. How old he was when he first left? And oh man, I couldn't even imagine this moment of uh, him going through and like seeing the progression and seeing what has happened since he's you know been uh, like been gone mm-hmm. and. Uh, it must feel so strange to like even when he sees like his house has become kind of like this this museum, this like exhibit that people just like walk through and everything and then we get that explanation as to why the film started out the way it did with the clips in the very beginning um because it's just like a museum reciting the story and um it's cool to see him like go throughout and like walk throughout his house, but it's kind of like strange that like now it feels like some kind of uh exhibit. Yeah, and it must it, feel weird for him. It's like a, it's a set, you know. Yeah. For for the film, it's kind of like oh, it's kind of like this weird. It feels different, and uh, it doesn't feel like a real place. Just imagine anymore. if you're yeah, if your home were just like turned into some exhibit. Yeah, uh, it definitely has this different feeling again, being all clean and whatnot, and uh, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's uh, it's yeah, just interesting to see just because you know he lived this, and now people are saying, oh, it's history or whatnot. So it's it's yeah. definitely like a like wall kind of feeling. Yeah, and then I I would say that like it gets even more emotional at the moment when uh man he finally gets to uh, reunite with his daughter. Yeah, so this this one was like, oh man. Yeah, like uh, you better be biting your tongue at this point. Yeah, but. it's like. You know, if you felt something when uh, in Inception, you know, when uh, he has that, Fisher has that, like, father moments. Oh, yeah, that father-son here's, here's, like, a, a daughter-father moment. It's like, oh, man, it's like, again, it's, it's if you don't feel something, you're like, who are you? Or yeah. are you human or whatnot? It's like, ah. Yeah, it's definitely a good moment. I, I totally agree. It's, um. It's definitely probably my favorite moment of the film when they finally get to reunite Murph and Cooper. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. They're like, especially with like the whole movie going through and like, we're trying to understand or trying to get across this, this, uh, good relationship that the two of them have. And then it, you know, obviously it became strained and we didn't want to see that. And now it's kind of just, a uh, like a reconciliation and we get to finally just, um, it's like it's a closure that we needed, you know. Yeah, I think uh, th- this return is just uh, just much more impactful, just because you know, throughout the film, you know, he's he's been trying to save time so that he can come back as quickly as possible, and you know, it it just didn't happen. Yeah, look know? where that got him. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like oh, I don't know. It, it's sad because yeah, you know, he left her, you know, as this little kid, and then now uh, she's old older than him now and you know about to uh basically uh pass away here and it's kind of like oh man you know it's, it's just a it's a sad moment because you know uh all that time's gone and uh you know you 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 can't get that back really right yeah there's so much that probably happened to him in that whole like i don't know week or a few days that it's been or maybe like well, for him how yeah. he feels like yeah oh man i couldn't even imagine it's crazy um uh and then and then uh cooper basically gets sent out to go and uh uh back out and go look for dr brand yeah here's like a weird moment for the film because I, it feels as if they might have tried to set up a possible sequel with it because you know professor brand or not professor dr brand uh she we don't know what happened to her you right know, uh Cooper was saved, but uh, once she uh, basically left the black hole, we don't know if, you know, she was saved or whatnot or she found. We we only, like, get a hint that, you know. She Ed, landed on Edmund's yeah, planet. Yeah, she, she landed, but we didn't see Edmund at all, so is it just her now or whatnot? And, yeah, it's kind of weird that they, or Christopher Nolan or, and, you know, anybody involved in this film, they kind of left this one open to like in like a kind of you know how Inception it's like open to interpretation here, right? Or in this one, you know, it's maybe we can come back to it. I just feel as if it, it probably didn't need it, so I kind of question like even why they did it for, uh, to begin with. So, if anything, it's kind of like one of the more uh, it's odd. Uh, oh, okay. In comparison to uh, like uh, an Inception, because I don't really think it's necessary to ever come back to the story ever. Because I think it was, I think the strongest bond 
was Murph and Cooper. I don't think it was Brand had anything to do with it. Yeah. Personally. So yeah. When this film ends, I'm kind of like questioning, you know, why the openness? I don't think there was um, any intention from Nolan to create a sequel. I think it was more about just trying to tie up loose ends with Dr. Brand's character and just to let the people know that she's still out there. She is alive. Um, and Cooper just has to go save her. And I think, I think that was basically the main thing just to give her, uh, that or her and that character, just a feeling of, um, hope. I, I suppose that a feeling that, you know, she's going to be saved, especially like with Cooper going back out there again, which is, I think is kind of crazy that he's after all of that, he's willing to go and, uh, save, uh, Dr. Brand. Um, but yeah, I think it was probably more about just tying up the loose ends and giving a little bit of like, um, you know, a sense of like honor and respect for the Dr. Brand character. And we just can't like forget about her. Yeah. I think it probably would have been worse how we just like not even acknowledged it, acknowledge her. Yeah. So, um, overall, um, I, I enjoyed interstellar the very first viewing that I had of it. And I think like over the course of time, like just watching it again, it just doesn't have the same effect for me. And, um, personally, like if we compare it to 2001, which in some ways we, we, you know, we kind of really can't because they're two different films. They both have different goals in mind. And, uh, um, so like with, with that in mind, I can't really say like one's better than the other. I did enjoy 2001 a space odyssey more so than interstellar. I just felt like interstellar was, uh, especially after second viewing, um, it feels, it just, it, and it feels different than Nolan's other films too. It just feels like it's almost like a dumbing down what he's done previously. And it feels more like that closer to modern blockbuster, blockbuster-esque. Um, in that, like, we just get the the main plot points really quickly. We get to the action. We get to the exciting stuff. We don't really like explain and we don't really like tie up loose ends that well. Um, it's still an enjoyable movie. Don't get me wrong. I really do. I, I still enjoy the film, but I'm just like, I'm really picking up on those problems. You know, it's funny because uh, I felt that way in Inception and in this one, I still do feel that way. I think it started around the Inception uh, era for Christopher Nolan. Um, yeah, it's 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 probably I don't want to say like too. I don't want to say simple, yeah, because it's it's not. Yeah, but no. it, it's uh, I don't know. It, it's it feels too fast in comparison to like two thousand one. I feel like I I needed a little bit more time to really take in stuff. Yeah. Um, the rest of the characters besides Murph and Cooper really aren't in like even the same league. Right. Like again, their strongest uh, thing is that family ties. And, uh, if any of them were in danger, that felt like a high, uh, risk and like high, 
priority yeah priority and you you felt that pressure right if anything happened between them mm-hmm. but everybody else kind of fell to the wayside um so like uh i mean everything looked nice everything oh, yeah. uh acting you know superb with especially uh, matthew mcconaughey but uh yeah i don't know the first time it was definitely a whole lot difference the second time i'm kind of like i guess it wasn't the thing I was expecting. So like, uh, I think ultimately it did do very well in that family ties and probably everything else. It could have been just a little bit like not to, I guess the level of like, it's hard. Cause you know, with 2001 and anything after that, it's hard to reach that, yeah. even though I had uh, problems with it too. Mm. But maybe just you know seeing it again or seeing it again, and uh, it just uh, you see why it's been regarded as one of the best science fiction films, right? right. Yeah, <laughs> and anything trying to is kind of like, oh man, these are big shoes to fill, right. and you see the. Uh, I guess the the issues that come along with uh, going that realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I think both are good films in their own right. Um, yeah, I think that. Yeah, it's really difficult because we want to make comparisons, you know, and whatnot. Um, but they both definitely have different goals in mind, and both obviously are different times. Um, but. Definitely, I would say they both have their place in their own, like, respective, uh, like, audience and what it's trying to do and what it's trying to say. Right. Um, And there we have it, Christopher Nolan's epic science fiction film, Interstellar. We hope you enjoyed listening and watching this episode, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to this episode of The End Credits. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The End Credits Podcast and over on Twitter at The End Credits. If you're watching the video version, make sure to subscribe to The End Credits YouTube channel. That's it. Thank you and goodbye.